Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the creator of the new app, Sorry, Not Sorry, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, I'm in Washington, D.C. with my friend Hillary Rosen. She's a political strategist for SKD Knickerbocker and a political commentator for CNN. Hey, Hillary. Welcome back. Hey, Kara. We've Happy had a to good be month. here. We've had some good months. All women, too, which is really interesting. Throughout November, Hillary and I have been doing a bunch of interviews together, talking to some really interesting people from the political world. And today's guest in the red chair, I'm very happy to say, is Greta Van Sustern, who previously was an anchor at CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC. She also has a new app for apologies called The Sorry App, and is the author of a new book called Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. Greta, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you. And when you list my uh, experience to all the networks, it sounds like I can't hold a job. I can't. We'll get into We're that. We'll get into that. So why don't we actually do that? For those techies who don't know who you are, I mean, everyone knows who you are, but let's go through your sordid history. Let's, let's, let's walk through it. <laughs> okay. Where do you want to start? Oh, at the beginning, Greta, not when all you right, were born well, or okay. when you were well, you, you started, you, you became famous during the OJ trial, really. Yes, and I got on TV because, uh, well, actually, William Kennedy Smith, because uh, CNN right. called the American Bar Association, was looking for a lawyer to do commentary as their first capital gavel coverage. And they called the American Bar Association, and for years I thought the reason that uh, my name was given is because I had two law degrees, taught at Georgetown Law School as an adjunct professor, and I tried rapes and murders and civil rights cases and everything else. Uh, I found out about 10 years later, though, that the reason that I was chosen was because they called and the receptionist, um, this is about 1991, uh, gave, them, uh, gave the person who called my name because in 1976 she lived in a group house and I came here to law school and I went to a toga party at the house and my <laughs> name was the only one she could remember. So it was a toga party. Um, Thank you, you know, lady. It, you know, By the I, way, for any of our listeners who don't know this, TV is that random. Yeah. <laughs> TV yeah. is that random, right. Yeah. You know, I, I, mean, I always thought— We're not going to explain. Playing toga I mean, parties I'm, at this point. Well, I hope but. they understand. It's the only toga party I've ever been to. I'd like to emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I've, uh, it's the only time I've ever worn just a sheet to a party. Um, but anyway, so that's how I got on TV. I'm the accidental anchor. I went to do a little coverage and uh, and William Kenny Smith, and basically I never left. And then in about 2001, January AOL bought. The CNN, mm-hmm. and it was the ugliest year at CNN, and all the time. Ben, there was always exciting working for Ted Turner, but when AOL came in, it went it became very corporate. It wasn't Ted walking through the newsroom in his pajamas anymore, which was actually quite interesting. It was a very different time, and it made it really unfun. And they started firing all my friends. And when corporations come in, there's so much uh, dissension, mm-hmm. and, un- and that was a particularly fraught merger. I wrote yeah, it was books awful about it. So um, I decided the, the definitive book about I'm that merger. I'm well aware yeah. that yeah. she wrote the definitive book. I read it. Yeah, um, and so. In in December, I decided December of, of 01, which is after 9-11, that um, I'd probably go back probably go back to practicing law or doing something else. But I was done with um, with TV because it, it it was really an, a terrible environment, for, I thought. Although they were they were they they offered me more money, which annoyed me more. Not because I don't, didn't like more money, but they were firing my friends, and I felt a little bit like a prostitute if I stayed there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what did you like about CNN from the early days? What Just did because, I like? Because a lot of people who were there early definitely had that. 
point of view. It, it was it was rock and roll. It was cowboy. It was exciting. We were seeing the world. It was as every news organization thought it was Chicken Noodle Network, and mm-hmm. not you know it was exciting. And it was entrepreneurial. Compared, yeah. it was changing. And, you know, it's not the internet, but it was like that. It did that to television. Yeah. Ted Turner was fun to work with. I mean, he, there are a lot. Look, there are a lot of. He's an unusual guy, um, but he he always made it fun and exciting. He had a real can-do attitude, so it was fun. I have to say, in um, current CNN's defense, Jeff Suckers brought that rock and roll back to news. I mean, he has. He's energized reporters. He's energized anchors. It does have a feeling, again, like getting the story out there is kind of the the point of it. And I think there were some rough years there for a long time in between, but it's it's. It's back I didn't a have bit. a voice essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you leave there. So I left. So I left there intending to go back, and and instead I uh, made a stop to talk to Roger Ailes, who I'd never met. I'd never watched Fox. Fox was not number one at that point. I didn't even know who he was. Vaguely knew who he was. Something to do with the Bush forty one campaign at the time. I didn't pay that much attention to it. And um, and I he we made a deal right then and there on a handshake. And I went to Fox News, and uh, uh, I. Didn't know much about it, but they they agreed to give me an hour. They agreed to give me the resources I need. They agreed to leave me alone, so I stayed there for fourteen and a half years. So t- talk about that experience. Which part? Which part? What, what were uh, you, well, what you, you going just, there? What, what, you didn't know anything about it. You knew it was more, a more conservative network. I actually, when we were at CNN at the time, we didn't pay any attention to Fox News. In fact, in um, in '96, in July of '96, MSNBC launched, and we all were around the TV looking at MSNBC launching, and all we commented about was that they had nice studios or something. In October of '96, three months later, is when um, Fox launched. We didn't pay any attention. Nobody paid any attention to Fox mm-hmm. at CNN at the time. None. I mean, at least not not because you were dominating. Yeah, we were number one. It was uh, now coincidentally that that when I left, uh, that was the last time CNN was number one. Then it then flipped over to Fox. But I had never seen O'Reilly. I'd never seen O'Reilly mm-hmm. in the entire in entire. He was on it. He was also on it um, the same time I was. I was mm-hmm. on at eight o'clock um, with the show. So that was another reason why I never saw O'Reilly. But I had no idea who he was till I got to Fox. Right. So um, so I went to Fox and. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, is that in 14 and a half years, nobody ever bothered me in terms of telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody, uh, I never had any command influence. I had all the resources. I traveled the world, went to North Korea three times, Afghanistan, Iraq. I, mean, I had a real old, old-fashioned old uh, reporter's experience at the Fox News Channel. And, of course, I left in uh, uh, September 1st of 2016. Rupert Murdoch and I had a rather... Um, we had an argument, and mm-hmm. both of us were quite stubborn. Right. And I had a good clause in my contract that let me leave, so I left. So, what was the argument about? Um, I'm pausing because I'm trying to think of whether you know what I can tell you, what I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was basically about what I wanted to do with the network. And anyone who knows me is that I always I like to get out of the studio. Mm-hmm. And cor- this is the problem that you have with corporate-owned media. Not, not that state-owned is so great either, right. but corporate owners is worried about the bottom line for the obvious reason because they have shareholders and they have fiduciary duty to the shareholders not to waste money. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to travel and do specials, and, and the problem is specials don't do well. They don't rate well. I've done human right. trafficking. I did a human trafficking story in Cambodia, and um, Fox put it on the Fox Business Channel, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, the viewers don't watch it. Everyone, everyone says, oh, yeah, I want to watch that stuff, but people really don't watch that stuff. Mm-hmm. So... 
it was it was a little bit over my contract, a little bit over what I wanted to do, but it was mostly over that neither one was listening to the other, and um, and it was a very tough time at Fo- at Fox. I think in Rupert Murdoch's defense is that he was quite surprised to find out that things had been turned upside down. What was going on at Fox News? He was unwilling to listen to me, and um, I, I had a clause that had sixty days on it. I'm not leaking that. That was actually mm-hmm. in the Drudge Report. I've never leaked anything about my contracts, but. The Drudge Report in July wrote that I had this clause in my contract that I could leave um, within a period of time after Roger Ailes left, and I had 60 days, and Fox, to me, was in complete turmoil, totally upside down, and I thought that I would... I'd had the same experience I did at CNN for that year, and I hated that. And so I had 60 days to make a decision, and and there's also a financial component to it. Um, So I opted to leave, so I left. So... You went to MSNBC, who offered you an evening show, and we we can get into that and talk a little little bit about that short-lived moment. But I want to go right to the Roger Ailes and Fox situation, because the reason that Roger Ailes left, obviously, is a major story right now, which is this sexual harassment. And who knew that that domino falling would be one of the first ones to fall in such an overwhelming uh, fashion uh, that we've seen in the last several months. And almost everything has been said about this issue, but maybe not everybody has said it. I want to ask you f- kind of from a, a different angle a little bit, which is, do you think that women in media, that it's a more toxic environment than other professions? And therefore, this has been particularly unique with, with men Mark Halpern and Roger Ailes it's and, reaching across every and partisan um, line. Charlie mm-hmm. Rose and, you know, sort of the media politics, Harvey Weinstein entertainment environment. Do you think it's particularly I, more toxic I, or do you think it's just that they're more famous and more we're a more self-referential world? And so that's who we report on. I, I suspect that it, it I mean, look, if you'd asked me a year ago, I'd probably give you a different answer. I'm now seeing how you seen how everything is unfolded. I don't I don't think it's limited to the media. I don't think I mean, we just have a bigger spotlight and we put a giant spotlight on it. I will say this. It, I will give you a little background on what happened at Fox. The Fox thing was shocking. Absolutely shocking. Everyone said, how could you not know? And you were I, shocked. About Shut. Roger Ailes. Okay, let me tell you this. I, Roger Ailes worked in New York. I worked in D.C. I saw him once a year. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'd have lunch with him in his office once a year in April. Maybe I'd see him some other time, but probably not because he never was in the D.C. Bureau. And um, the last time I saw him in April, um, he was hiding from me the fact that he had a walker. So here I have in my mind this very, you know, and obviously someone can do something with a walker, but mm-hmm. my, my vision of him was this was a man that, you know, had a walker and was, didn't seem particularly, you know, ag- aggressive towards women and that he'd never been towards me. And then the other thing, too, is that if you look at the statement that got me into so much trouble is that the night it broke— um, I was uh, I was interviewed. Tell, tell our listeners first what it was. That was Gretchen Carlson? Gretchen Carlson filed a, a civil complaint, mm-hmm. and that started it. And then there was no information about anything else. It was just Gretchen Carlson. So um, so the, the, a Fox asked me to talk to me and tell what I knew. So I said, "This is what I knew." I said, "Is it never happened to me? I never heard about it." And I knew that Gretchen was a disgruntled employee. That's what got me into trouble because here's the problem: is that Gretchen worked in New York, I worked in D.C. I, and as a consequence, I mean, you don't know these people. It's a big corporation. I'd had one in-depth conversation. I think I only talked to Gretchen once in my life off camera, and that's that we both got sent to London uh, to cover Prince William's wedding. 
And um, at the time, I was in the bar having a beer. I'm from Wisconsin, so that's allowed. Um, and I was having a beer. We, you know, we were all staying at the same hotel, and she, and she walked in. And she sat down, and she sat down, and she told me she was very unhappy at Fox News. She told me how she'd been valedictorian of her high school class. She'd gone to Stanford. She was Miss America. She did all these things. And that Fox didn't recognize all her attributes. And she was very angry at Fox. She never mentioned sexual harassment to me. And now right. that's a very personal, private thing. Right. But I, but Which I had, it turns out a lot of people didn't mention. No, no. And right. I totally understand that. But I had, this, I had never heard anyone so unhappy in my mm-hmm. life. And she'd had a, she had a long litany of things, and I sat there and listened to it. So that was fixated in my brain mm-hmm. so that and so that's why you know that's why I said that looking back on that uh, not knowing I think it's a really interesting thing because a lot of the discussion around women is not saying something of it of course now everybody's saying something yeah but people don't say things for good reasons yeah, exactly. they're scared they're worried right. about their jobs or that's embarrassing right. or whatever so right. I, I got that but you know right so but within Fox News after it started to come out what were your how did your thoughts change because yeah, but, it really was the beginning of it metastasized yep. to everybody. Well, I mean, it was just stunning. I remember being at the Republican convention like two weeks later, and we're all standing around looking at the computer, like reading the Drudge Report as a group as we're reading this. I mean, we literally, I mean, there are so many people in any news organization that, that and certainly in Fox, that just were shocked. We knew nothing. And it's like, you know, we, we were, you know, here we had a very sort of stable situation for some of them that had been there 20 years at that point yeah. and, um, and didn't know anything. It was just shocking. Absolutely shocking. And what about the bosses who seem to have known or to have some sense of it, given the payoff? I don't know who the boss – I mean, Roger well, was Bill the Shine. only boss. Yeah. Bill Shine – look, Bill Shine was uh, – I'm still – I still Lawyer, don't – the PR lady, Irina um, Briganti. I, I, Irina Briganti and I have uh, – we haven't spoken since 2003 or four. I mean, yeah. we, you know, there's no secret that uh, yeah. I, I, I was not a fan of hers. Bill Shine um, – you know, this it still shocks me this day because right. I don't know what's fair in terms of Bill Shine. I really don't. I'd been around him. I'd never heard him say anything inappropriate about women. I never heard him make any cracks. So I never saw any. I, I don't Can know. Can you pull, pull out a little bit to being a lawyer when you look at all this, like w- how this has unfolded? Because a lot of it is, it used to be sort of he said, she said, and now it's like so clear these are patterns. Well, let me tell you the happen. difference of law yeah. is that let's take this guy Roy Moore down in mm-hmm. wherever, Alabama. Eight women, I think, have come out, maybe more. You take eight women and as a normal person, I think, eight women, you know, he had to have done it. He was guilty. I mean, how, how could that possibly be? How could eight women make the same accusation? If we were in the courtroom, there would be eight separate trials because right. people tend to think if so, if so many people made the same accusation against you, you must have done it. And the court looks at it, the law looks at it differently. Mm-hmm. So you'd have eight separate trials in the courtroom. So meaning what? what? Meaning you asked me to look at it as a lawyer. Yeah, but how, when you look at this as it's playing out, where does it go? Where do you think it goes? And then I want to get back. I think, I don't look at it as a lawyer, but more as you know, just a, a woman making an observation. I think we're going to have a lot of time of self-reflection. I think people are going to learn a lot. And uh, I think that uh, I, I, th- I hope that we emerge, women emerge stronger. I hope that men uh, stop doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we don't demonize all men. Um, you, know, I don't, you know, many people raising sons and, um, you know, the responsibilities. You know, we want, we want the sons to be uh, treated fairly in the future. Um, but I think that's going to be an incredible time of self-reflection. Um, I mean, these careers are, are destroyed and some rightfully destroyed. Mm-hmm. What has changed is a little bit different than the legal standard. I mean, just from a journalist point of view, it used to be considered rumor if somebody printed something like this um, where somebody wouldn't go on the record with their name and the like. And I think the Weinstein story kind of changed that. The standard then became if there was 
uh, a corroboration at the time? In other words, if the woman had told somebody at the time that this had happened and Mm -hmm. that that person was willing to go on the record. And then the second piece was if there was a pattern. So those facts sort of changed, I think, editors' willingness to kind of put this – yeah, uh, to put this story out in a, in a way well, where I, maybe in, in the past they I, wouldn't have. But I think also it, it's our awareness. I mean, if you go back to like the Clinton days, I think that a lot of women gave Bill Clinton the yep. president a pass, um, yep. you know. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, as I look back at my own coverage of it, um, you know, I think I should have been more aggressive in my own coverage mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I think if it were happening today, it would be a different story. Absolutely. Although just nine months ago, the same things were leveled at. The current president. It's it's interesting that the the one that really caught was Ailes, O'Reilly, to Weinstein, to Rose. To well, I think that there was internal uh, corporate problems at uh, at Fox, mm-hmm. and if there weren't if there weren't sort of a fight at the top over uh, Roger Ailes, and apparently I'm just repeating stuff mm-hmm. that I've read. I don't have any personal knowledge. Is that the two sons wanted him out, so that made a very com- convenient time to move him out. So I mean, I think that was probably a contributing factor. If this had happened ten years ago maybe it would have had a different ending. Yeah, he would have had a different pass, which different is really path. interesting. All right, let's uh, get up. So you went to MSNBC, tried a show. What, how do you look at the state of news, cable news? Because you've been one of the iconic I don't characters. know why I got fired at MSNBC. All right. It's the same show I've, I've done at CNN, Fox, mm-hmm. MSNBC. Uh, you'll have to ask them. Um, I, you know, I'm certainly am unwilling to in any way do anything I think is bad judgment that doesn't pursue the facts. Um, I thought my show was fair. I thought it was smart. I had guests who were Republican, Democrat. Yeah. Um, I had all of it, and that apparently was not what management wanted. My ratings, my ratings were up 94% overall in June. Um, I mean, that was the, 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 the mark they sent to me uh, documents. Um, uh, they sent everybody. He said, my ratings were up 94% overall, 92% in the coveted demo. Um, other shows were up more, but in less than six months, uh, 94, 90, 94% and 92% over the show I replaced, which was um, Mark Halperin, um, and, uh, the show, whatever, that whatever was. the show was. <laughs> Irony alert. Uh, whatever it was. And my numbers weren't up as, you know, as high as some of the other shows at MSNBC. But that's considering that I'd come from a different uh, right. network where, you know, it's going to take people a while to warm up to me. I had the same yeah. problem over at Fox. Yeah. When I went from CNN to Fox, it took a while to warm up. But once they warm up, I was number one at Fox News for 14 years. I was there 14 and a half years. Mm-hmm. But I never got that chance at MSNBC. So what's happening in cable, do you think? What do you, what do you imagine is happening? Because a lot of people feel, I feel like it's a scream fest of panels and and just partisan bickering. Um, I'll let let the listeners decide because, you know, I still have friends at all these networks. But in general, where do you imagine it going given – and we'll get – Here's what I think is going to happen. I think think all three cable networks – may find themselves getting some competition from somebody else. I think some, I'm hoping that some person comes along with a couple billion dollars, decides and wants a network that simply, you know, tone, you know turns the temperature down, uh, puts let, less pressure on its anchors and its correspondents, gives the right amount of money so that they can do their jobs, get them out of the studio. You know, the reason why I think that so many people miscalled this election and is that uh, the not enough anchors got out of the studio. You know, if, if the anchors had gone to my home state of Wisconsin, which a Democrat had not uh, lost since 1980, they would have learned that Secretary of State Hillary Clinton ought to spend some time in Wisconsin. She lost that state. That would have probably made the difference in whether she'd be the president or not. But they thought, everyone thought that she was a lock. Mm -hmm. But if you went out and talked to people who I grew up with, you knew that she was in trouble. You imagine Cable doing that because you just talked about you did human trafficking, you did all these things, and viewers weren't there. Well, you know, that's, you know what? Because we want to get into what you're doing. Look, let's go back to the question. The problem is, is is money. Mm -hmm. 
You know, money money ruins politics, and so money mo- ruins the news business too. Because if if you're worried about the at the bottom line in a corporation, and you have to be. I mean, these corporations are not going to have shareholders if they if they if they spend the money wildly. But it's wildly expensive to do stories on human trafficking unless you've got unless all the viewers want to watch it. And if all the viewers don't want to watch it, it's, you're just wasting your money. And so they're not going to do it. They can put some. They can put five people in a studio and get more viewers, and then have happy shareholders. Right. I mean, let me just say one thing in response to the management: is that they do try to be responsible and try and try to do the news gathering too. I'm just. I'm obviously yeah. making sort of a gross. Right, exaggeration. Yeah, no, but it's cheaper situation. to have five people Cheap, screaming yeah, at each okay. other. Absolutely. So when we get back, we're going to talk about what you're doing on the Internet because you've moved and pivoted. You have an app and everything else because I think one of the answers is will people start watching this stuff on the Internet? Will they start? Where, where does news go um, and how does it shift? And uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. We're here with Greta Van Susteren. She's been an anchor on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and she has a new app for apologies called the Sorry App, an author of a new book called Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. Or perhaps a Russian. We'll be when we get back. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about another section where, which is um, really Greta's very special relationship with Donald Trump. Yes, absolutely. We're not going to let you. My special relationship. I'm (laughs) dying to hear that. Okay, we can't hear about that. (laughs) Today's show is brought to you by HP, which has a new podcast they'd like to tell you about. What does machine learning have to do with autonomous driving? How do you build a powerful open source community? Will the cloud really consume the world? Tune in to Stack That, a new podcast from Hewlett-Packard Enterprise to dive into the world of emerging trends and learn how you can leverage this tech for the benefit of your business. Each week, our hosts Byron Reese of GigaOM and Florian Leibert of Mesosphere will tackle a new topic with the help of guests from Airbnb, Google, Confluent, and other industry experts. Check out Stack That on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and news.hbe.com. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the latest episodes. I'd also like to tell you about one of our podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who did you talk to this week? Hey, Kara, I will tell you. I talked to Kim Masters, the veteran journalist at The Hollywood Reporter. You guys used to work together way back in the day in The Washington Post. Now Kim is on the front line of the sexual harassment story that's gripping the world. She broke one of the most important stories early on about Roy Price and Amazon Studios. Um, We talked about how you report a story like that, why it's difficult to report a story like that, why she's going to be reporting stories like that for some amount of time to come. It's kind of heavy, but Kim's great, and it's a good talk. You'll like it. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're back with Greta Van Susteren, who previously was an anchor on CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC. She also has a new app for apologies called the Sorry app and is the author of a new book called Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid. We're also here with my friend and political strategist for SKD Knickerbocker. She's also a political commentator on CNN, Hillary Rosen, who's been my guest this month, where we're talking about political topics in the political world. So, Greta, let's talk a little bit about the which one you want to do, the app or the book first? The book. Now, social media is so in the news because of, uh, you know, the, the weaponization of social media, the misuse of it by Russians or all kinds of things going on. So talk about why you wrote the book, and then I'd love to get your thoughts on what's happening all right. Yeah. Well, I'll t- first I'll tell you why I wrote the book is because I thought I knew everything about social media, having had the first anchor blog in 2003, and you can be sure that I actually wrote it. It had missing words and spelling errors. That's early. So yeah, no, it's so super early. And so I thought I was a real expert. And then about two years ago, at about Thanksgiving time, I asked one of my nieces um, a question, which I thought was reasonably sophisticated because I was such an expert in social media. To which she responded, 
seriously? <laughs> what was the question? I don't know. It's something about Instagram. And I thought, you little brat. I remember you couldn't even talk. You know, like, And she's like saying seriously to me. Um, and anyway, so I thought, maybe. so anyway, um, I said, yes, seriously. I didn't know. So anyway, she answered the question, whatever it was. So I decided, I thought, well, if I, if I hold myself out as noise, maybe, maybe, maybe I, there's a book there. So I started to research the book. And I discovered, lo and behold, I didn't know much about social media. It was a shock. Okay. That, what did you find out? Just images, how to use things and mm-hmm. how effectively, you know, what you can do with Facebook and even the difference between, I sort of, I mean, my Instagram and Facebook were pretty much the same. They're all pictures of my cats and my dogs and my work and everything. And it really no, had no sort of pattern or mission, um, even how I used uh, Twitter. So um, so I learned a lot of the tricks. I learned how, things about, how, you know, how to pri- make it private in terms of like how to avoid some of the pitfalls. Um, and, and by the way, I put in my book, and you'll love this, Hillary, especially since it's. Uh, uh, I accidentally sent a picture to Al Gore in the middle of the night of a blonde sleeping on a couch, oh. which I write about in the book. <laughs> I meant to se- I meant to send it to Eliza, one of my nieces, and instead it went to Al Gore. Um, so I mean, so, so you can also learn the autocorrect. The autocorrect was the auto kill. I'm sure to he me. was totally befuddled. And I know I, I was so humiliated, and so embarrassed. I, I mean, I didn't find out about it for about eight hours. I mean, I didn't, and because I'd sent it to someone else, and someone said, "Why did you t- send a picture?" Picture of a blonde sleeping on a couch at you know one o'clock in the morning to Al Gore, to which I said I didn't do that. She said yes, you did. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I also learned stuff. So you know, I've learned a lot of things. I've been more careful with autocorrect, um, muting versus blocking on Twitter. So there are a lot of things. Okay. Well, it is a sort of um, I like to think of it as kind of the remedial edition, right? Which is sort of. It Social media too. for dummies. Well, um, but it's but this way. I, I look at it's for everybody over the age of forty who thinks he or she knows everything about social media. You might learn some tips there. Um, and it, and it's for those who have missed the revolution and want to get on social media. And here it's also for everyone under the age of forty who is sick and tired of answering questions to those of us over forty and just wants to buy a cheap they book, can just buy the book and, and give throw it, to it throw parents. it at the parents. Right. Yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about because right when you're uh, publishing this, all the social media companies are on Capitol Hill yes. testifying. How do you look at what's happened? I mean, you're oh. obviously paying a lot of attention, but it's it, they, they've been obviously their platforms have been misused. They seem to not have control of them. They seem to make excuses about these platforms, which are incredibly powerful. You give me some well, thoughts on all, all these social media platform companies want to act. They want to pretend they're the telephone company, and they can't help it if you're making obscene phone calls or prank calls and asking if your refrigerator is running mm-hmm. and that you better go catch them. I mean, that's the way they think. But they are more than that. They are they're much like Drudge. They're aggregators of news. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem: you know, everyone's getting sick and fed up about it, all the fake news, the influence in terms of uh, from other countries and our elections being using their platforms. So they have a choice. They can either figure out a solution themselves, which would be a really good idea mm-hmm. because the American people are fed up Congresses, or they run the risk that Congress is going to get in their business and start regulating them. Then, of course, we'll have the whole First Amendment battle. But, you know, they'd be smart right now to figure out a good solution, make everybody happy. The ball's in their court. But they haven't done anything. That's Not yet. Think. Yeah. Not so, yet. But they, they, you know, they, they better start thinking of something. I mean, do you think they want? Do you think they want regulation? No, they Probably don't. Not. But I'm just curious what you, what, you know, you've been covering Washington for a long time. Obviously, regulators love to regulate, and this is an area that hasn't been regulated. The, the, the most of the tech community has been avoiding that forever. Well, and I think much of Congress acts sort of the way you talked about, kind of the befuddled parent, right? Which is. 
if a tech company says to them, eh, you, you know, you better stay away from this because you never know what you're going to do to screw up innovation. You don't, you know, don't worry your pretty little head about it. You're not smart enough to regulate in this area. <laughs> do you think that that's having an impact, that that's actually winning the day? I don't, I don't know. I think that if the, I, I think there's, there's going to be hell to be paid for the media company, the platforms, if they don't figure out a solution. This is not getting better for them. Do you call, think of them as media companies when you look at um, it? I do. I, I, I do. do. I do too because I mean they're like the Drudge Report. Mm-hmm. I mean the Drudge Report puts a bunch of articles up. Mm-hmm. What's different than uh, putting them up on, uh, on on a media platform? I mean a platform on on the internet. What's the difference? Do you do you what, what are your thoughts on the Russian interference using these platforms? That's horrible. I mean it's like I mean I don't even know why that. I mean I don't know why there's a discussion. I mean they they shouldn't be poisoning our election. Mm-hmm. And where do you imagine? they do about it. I mean, who is the, who is ultimately responsible? Is it the government? Because a lot of the, I, the the tech companies have said, well, the government didn't, these are countries attacking us, not, you know, individual hackers. This is full country I, I attacks. Think, I so think the government has responsibility. Well, it's, of course, they're not going to say they're responsible. So they need the sorry app. Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I think it's also us. I mean, how we consume news. I mean, we have to be more vigilant in terms. I mean, if you read something that seems un- unbelievable, chances are it is un- unbelievable. And a good consumer, if you're going to go out and buy a stereo, you're at least going to look at consumer reports in the old days to see if you got a good stereo. I mean, people, people should cross-check, look at the sources, know the sources, be an aggressive consumer of news. But they aren't. Uh, they Nobody. are. No, no, I know. And the thing is that people tend to, like, if, if someone says something really awful about someone you don't like, you tend to believe it. Mm-hmm. Whereas it said something wonderful about something you like, you tend to believe it. But look, um, American people are just going to have to be more aggressive in how they consume news. And also, um, the, these tech companies have got to be more aggressive in what they do. And also, the government has to, be, has, to be, um, uh, has to do what it can to prevent us from being hacked and um, any poisoning from any other country. And talk a little bit about the relationship between politicians and journalists. And, and this might bring us to Donald Trump on this score, which is that it is very much in some politicians' interests, like uh, President Trump, to exacerbate the kind of the all journalism is fake news unless it's praising him. And what impact do you think that's having on because he uses well, social media well, let, so people definitely. believe and and well let me use let me tell a little old old tech story about that stuff when I was at the Fox News when I was at Fox and Senator Obama was running for president he would do an interview with me when he became president he wouldn't do an interview with me because he didn't like Fox News I get it I got it um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton I've been interviewing her since she was first lady um, she was willing to do interviews with me but what I was told. I don't know if this is true, but what I was told is that she couldn't do an interview with me and the White House wouldn't let her, whoever the White House was, I don't even know who that was, who, the White House wouldn't let her do an interview with me on American soil. So I, in or, I had eight interviews with her um, in four years when she was Secretary of State. I had them in Afghanistan, in India, Mexico, Germany. I, did, I couldn't, she wouldn't, she, wouldn't in, she couldn't do an interview with me on American soil because the Obama White House hated uh, Fox News so much. Now fast forward and I'm over at MSNBC and now we've got a Republican president. And when when uh, when Donald Trump was first running for president, I, even before, I said, if you ever become president, I want the first foreign trip because I'm interested in the foreign stuff. I'm interested mm-hmm. in the, the foreign policy. And he always said he would. So he became president to my uh, to many great surprise. And uh, so I, I held my feet to the fire. I wanted that for, first foreign. So I didn't ask for I started work there January 9th. January 20th was the inauguration. And his first foreign trip was in May on a NATO trip. And I thought, bingo, that's where I'm going to go. And I was very happy. So I started contacting the White House. 
on, and pointing out that the president had promised this to me the first. And, and Trump, you know, I, I thought he was pretty loyal to his promises. Well, I was told uh, in, in May that, uh, well, they didn't deny that I had been promised that, that I wouldn't get the I wouldn't get it. And the reason I wouldn't get the uh, the trip, the foreign trip, the first interview with uh, now President Trump was because Joe Scarborough called him, said he had dementia and was deranged or something else. So now I'm getting punished by the Democratic, uh, I'm getting punished by a Republican president for a Democratic leaning network when I had the flip side over there. Right. So, so, <laughs> and so, they don't even need the networks because they, they can reach out well, directly. Well, th- that's where we go now with this. Why in the world? I mean, think about it. I mean, look, a responsible person will, uh, you know, has an obligation um, to answer questions when he's a politician, no matter what level. Um, President Trump and President Obama tweeted, but not, not like this, not, not like President Trump. But uh, he realizes that he can bypass the media and he can put out now 140, now 280 characters and reach the American people. He has, I think, 50 million people who follow him um, without having to go through a journalist. Right. Well, President Trump hasn't done an interview with a, a real journalist in seven months. Uh, so what does that mean? I, I think he did one with Lester Holt. I, mean, I think that was seven months ago. Something in like May. That. May. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Look, look. I'm. I'm. I think he should do more sit-down interviews. I think he should do one with CNN, MSNBC. He does them with Fox, with CBS. I think he should do them with all. Yes, I. I know. I think he should. And then what happens in this area of social media? I mean, he. he he's. He's an adept user. Of yeah, he's outsmarted media. everybody. He's yeah. outsmarted. Everybody do you think it's that. really outsmarted? Because now it's some of it's coming home. You know, a lot of things he's saying on Twitter months ago is now I, being used in court cases. And you're a lawyer. You see I, them use, and the travel ban now with this AT&T merger. I, I you know, look, I, there's an awful lot of noise, mm-hmm. you know, associated with it. I think we'll know whether it's whether it harms him if he runs in uh, 2020 and uh, and he's elected. I think that's when we'll know whether or not it has you know harmed him or not. You know, he used it effectively as a weapon and he got elected. And it makes all of us journalists, you know, mad that we can't get him to sit down and do interviews with us. Um, but nonetheless, you can't deny that it has been an effective tool for him. And so far, nothing has stuck. And I don't think we know if anything sticks until we see the next election and we count up the votes. Right. Except well, in I'm, these legal cases, right? I mean, talk about that as a lawyer, because several legal cases are citing these tweets. Yes, I am. Um, but, uh, which one? I mean, the, the, they've the, done the tweets. Immigration one out, out in California. It had an um, impact. What are yeah. you saying on um, Twitter? Yeah, the judge used it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say about that. You know, that wasn't good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah. There is a, 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 a repartee though that he has with certain people, and he has that with you. I saw that the president actually retweeted you the I, other day, which I, means that the president follows you. I Greta. wouldn't call that a repartee. What I'd call it is this: is that he follows forty-five people. Um, he's the 45th president, so I think he's. I think that's probably his magic number. I, I am one of the 45. Um, I don't know why. That's a big deal. No, well, I mean, I, I, what I, I'll leave that to you. But um, here's what I know: is that I had tweeted, "I'm a big animal lover. I'm a vegan." And the thing about the elephants just drove me up the wall. The fact that we would, you know, lift the ban on, on trophies like that just drove me up the wall. And so I tweeted to him, hoping he would see it. And, and I don't make a practice on the elephants, you know, please, Mr. President, you know, don't lift this ban. And, and others did, too. Ellen was big on it. She's got a big following on Twitter. But a lot of people, I wasn't the only one. Um, but then he lifted the ban, but only temporarily. So um, so I thought, okay, um, I want to encourage that. I don't want to discourage that. So I said, thank you, Mr. President, for doing that because I want to encourage it. And, and, and so he liked my 
praise or acknowledgement, however you want to do it. And he then retweeted it. And of course, that then became a story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, look, people said to me, how in the world could you, well, you know, if he, if he was only temporary or he was going to do it anyway. I don't, frankly, I don't know if he even knew about it in the beginning. These presidents, you know, we assign everything to them that, they, that mm-hmm. in their administrations. He may not even have known about it in the first place. I, I don't know. on that. I, that he what? They he didn't? didn't know. Yeah, he probably didn't know. But he didn't know about the lions because none of the lions but, are. But he knew it when it got to be, when it got this uh, uh, critical force when, it, when and, and then he did know a critical mass. But my thought is that, is that okay? As everyone, people jumped on me, and you know, how can you how can you thank him for something that's only temporary or something like that? And, you know, and my thought is like, I want it permanent. And if that if it takes me saying thank you to him for doing that, you know, have at it. You know, but, have here, it. but here's the thing that's yeah. interesting, which is that you get him. You knew that praising him would get his attention so, on an so, issue that matters. So don't and criticize so, me for being smart. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not criticizing you. I'm, I'm impressed I'm with you, you as always. You. As always, I'm impressed with you. But he, but here's my question, because I, I do think you get him, and I do think you have spent more time with him than most journalists in this country have. And Never personal time, you understand. No, I understand. Okay, okay. I mean, it's all professional time. time. You don't go to his party. Time. I what? understand. <laughs> no, and, and, I, and so, I haven't been in the uh, – I don't think I've been in the White House since he was elected, but, but go ahead. But on the campaign trail and in times past and the like. and So give us some insight into to this piece of President Trump um, I, because you know him better than Kara and I ever will. Is he in on the joke when I particularly I, around I, things on social media? Does he, does he admit that he is – Chasing the shiny object, have, do you I think? Have, you know what, um, Hillary, I have no idea. I don't, I, I just, mm-hmm. I really don't have a sense of, I, I mean, the only off-camera experience I've had with him, which is sort of an unusual one, was during the Obama administration, um, I went down to Mexico to get this Marine out of uh, prison down there, because uh, I thought he's in prison for a really stupid reason. It was a stupid reason. I mean, he'd made a wrong turn, uh, which first I didn't believe was, anyone can make a wrong turn, but then I made the wrong turn, so I got it. Um, and so I spent a lot of time on the story, and he, he got out. And so I'm sitting in my office one day, right a few days after he gets out, and I get a phone call, hold for Donald Trump. So I go, okay, I'll hold for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump gets on the phone, he says to me, okay, he says, Greta, um, what's uh, uh, Sergeant Tamarisi's address? And I said, I have no idea. I don't know what his address is. You know? mm-hmm. and, and he said, I said, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what his address is. He said, okay, well, I'm sending you a check, and uh, uh, I, want, you know, I want you to get it to him. And I said, why are you doing that? And he said, because I, I want to give him a jump start. He needs a jump start. He's had a rough time. So I go, okay. So the next day, a FedEx arrives with a check for $25,000, made out to Sergeant Andrew Tamarisi, and, I've, and I've, that I had the job of tracking down his address, Tamarisi, and I sent the check off to him. And so that's, I mean, that, that's the, you know, I don't know any, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hear, and I don't want to be in the position of having to defend Donald Trump. Right. Um, but, I mean, it's the, I, I can only relate facts of things that have happened. Right. I, I object I don't to his tweeting, by the way. I have to defend him. Yeah, I was I asking know. you to interpret him as no, opposed I, to defend him. Yeah, I, I, I can't, inter- I can, he, he, everyone says to me, I've never seen anything like it. And I say, well, you think I have? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, when, you know, when you say object has. to his tweeting. What is- I like manners. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you know, it's like. Uh, most of my tweets, if once in a while people get under my skin, I guess, and I'll take the bait. But for the most part, I don't. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's just, it's just not the way I would tweet. Mm-hmm. And what about governing that way? Because I think they, he was made aware of it by your tweets and others versus what do you mean norm- governing? Meaning he's getting, he's making governing decisions based on things he sees on cable news or on Twitter versus anywhere else. I, I, do, I don't do you care. Do you think it I matters? Mean, I, I hope he's making decisions based. I mean. 
even decisions I disagree with, I hope they're based on, uh, you know, talking to his staff and thinking about it and having good counsel, even those decisions I disagree with. I don't think, uh, I don't think decisions should be made on Twitter, and I, I'm not convinced that he's necessarily making them on Twitter. I think he's engaging people on Twitter and picking fights. Somewhere. I think, you know, fighting with people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So when you think about social media, and then in the next section we're going to talk about your Sorry app, um, when you're thinking about the impact of social media, a lot of people now think it's turned ugly. Really, just it's not redeemable at this point. It's away from the Russia things. But privacy, how people uh, engage in divisiveness. I personally think Twitter has become kind of a cesspool. You never feel good after using these apps except for – Maybe Instagram, which is nice, a nicer version of things. Um, even I, there, you find and uh, comments on on YouTube have gotten really out of hand. And j- the other day, I was with the head of the ADL, and uh, we were looking up ADL on Google, and it, ca- it came back with the correct results. This is the ADL, the Anti Defamation League. Here's what they do. But then when you went to YouTube and searched it, which is owned by the same exact company, it was all anti-Semitic. Like I mean, hate speech. Hate speech. All yeah. of the top twenty. Selections were hate speech. Okay, I have a thought about all this. First of all, it's like, you know, look, I, you know I've seen some pretty horrible things on the Internet, horrible things said about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get it, but um, the Internet's here to stay. Social media is here to stay. So we can all sit around and, and hate it for its nastiness. And I guess I just haven't given up. I, you know, I still think it's a wonderful research tool. Um, I think there are wonderful things you can do with it. I'm still willing to give it a try to try to, you know, uh, make it better. Uh, I'd like to flood it with better things, um, but it really isn't coming upon us and how we use it. It's going to be an uphill battle. This is it's incredible. It's a you know, hate is a very powerful weapon. It's a very powerful weapon, and um, but I, I'm not giving up on social media. I, m- I might give up on social media if I thought that it was going to go away, but it's not. Today's guest has been Greta Van Sustern, and she was previously an anchor at CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC. But we've been talking about a range of things, including her book, uh, Everything You Need to Know About Social Media Without Having to Call a Kid, but also this app she's doing. Um, explain your app. Can Greta. I tell you one other thing yes, I'm doing? Sure. Said, yes, I'm doing Voice of America TV as a volunteer, oh. and I'm doing the most exciting. I'm doing shows in Iran. In Russia, wow. Ukraine, awesome. Afghanistan. Explain Voice of America for people. Voice of, still okay, there. Voice of America was created in the 1940s. It was radio. It was a way to get behind the Iron Curtain to tell what the American people basically right. to get behind the Iron Curtain. Well, it, naturally, it, like everything else, it has evolved, and it it's uh, it's in I think 70 countries or, or in or 47 countries and 70 languages. 70 countries and 47 languages. All these all these services. It's radio. It's TV. It's shortwave. Um, but it's um, it's unbelievable. But it's broadcast by charter only outside the United States. And the only way you can see VOA news is to go uh, and domestically here in the United States is to go on the website. But when we talked about news, go to VOA news.com and it really is it's very factual there's mm-hmm. no i mean it's a you know the controversy of course is that it's you know government uh, funded yeah. which opposed to the corporate funding mean, that the controversy uh, with that uh, i don't i don't like either government funded i don't like corporate funded news so <laughs> go figure i need to i don't know where i am but um but um anyway Do you like it, internet funded like i don't i funded i i don't know what it's but um it's actually been greta really, news yeah, greta news it's been really fun because i like the foreign stuff and and you know it's it's I've done stuff on North Korea where I've been three times so it's it's to me Voice of America has been I'm doing it as a volunteer and it's very exciting to me. All right, anyway, that's all right awesome. so anyway, ask my app. Okay, okay. app. That's so good. it says sorry. Right, now here's this my is what app. it says. Let's it hope says, the Trump administration the doesn't that, kill it. Yeah, that's true. The app that teaches <laughs> you how to make things right 
with the run ones you've wronged. Okay, here's so the app. Where how did this come about? Because I was unemployed and had nothing to do when I left Fox News. I walked out with no future, no nothing. You know, no life nothing. was. Not, all of a sudden, I walked out and my violin is huge. Yeah, violin. <laughs> I I didn't know what I was doing with my life, and so I decided I started working on this. And what there are a couple parts. Why did you do an app? What was the? I, I don't know why do you why do you own why do you own Silicon Valley and all you own everything I've stuck in terms of the same thing. I know, though. but it's I yeah, no, but it's because it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. You wanted to learn. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to learn. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, here are the features. One is it, when we finish rolling out all of them, which, which they are, is um, it's free. It's called the Sorry app. It's free. Download. Is that one is peer to peer? I could like I could apologize to you. Okay. And you get the apology, and after you watch it disappears, so you can't like snap, so you can't weaponize it and show all your friends. Look what a right. loser Greta is trying to apologize <laughs> to me. Okay. <laughs> what a loser. There, I have right. ways to And say and that, so but, so yeah. if you accept it, I know it's great, and then there'll be a way. I'll monetize it later. I'll send you flowers. There'll be like a yeah. there's there's a way to monetize it. That's one. Then there's the uh, the public one. Let's say uh, Kathy Griffin does her apology, and, and now everyone. Gets to, everyone who has this free download can look at the video. We'll upload the video, and everyone gets to vote whether she was, you know, sincere or not. Mm-hmm. And and you get to accept or reject it because so many politicians. I mean, look at like when Elliot Spitzer apologized for cheating and brought his wife as a date to the thing. You know, and everyone gets to watch and think whether it really is a good idea. And so so publicly, people get to accept mm-hmm. or reject. Um, you can also do your you own. You have a whole Anthony Weiner section, right? You could have a whole internet. Yeah. Um, the uh, then the other is that people just may want to publicly apologize for whatever reason. Let me. I mean, I, I, you and I probably and, and Hillary, if we're going to apologize, we're going to do it in person. People who are younger uh, tend to do everything on the smartphone. Millennials don't even like to answer the phone, so they can publicly apologize, do apologies, and so they can put it up there. I have I do fun apologies. I have my I have one up there now that my dog apologi- apologizes sort of for shredding the mail that comes in through the slot. One of my dogs. So, I mean, see, so some are fun, some are heartfelt. Our biggest problem right now are the trolls, but we have a, we have a feature that if two people flag it, it automatically disappears. So, we have that. Then there's going to be Throwback Thursday. We'll put up old apologies, whether it's Anthony Favorite Weiner, apologies of An- the past. Right, right. Favorite apology, Anthony Weiner, whether it's Nixon for Watergate, but every Throwback Thursday, so you can vote whether you think it's a genuine or not, or in a new unit of time, so to speak. I mean, you know, the apologies look very different after years past. And then finally, the feature I think that Hillary like most as such a good Democrat is the uh, who should apologize section. Oh, okay. and, uh, and I imagine that we're, you know, probably there'll be a lot of people that she thinks should I be don't up know, there. This week it feels very bipartisan. That, yeah, that aren't section. you ashamed? The aren't but you I'm, ashamed? But so we'll have that. So that so that when it finishes, it'll be that. And it's you know, and I think in part. But I want to know how you got this idea. It's a kind of a fascinating idea, actually. I, I get, I get, I, they all come across my desk. But where did you get the concept for sorry? Because everybody's blaming everybody. Have you ever seen so many right people in your life? I mean, it's like everybody's <laughs> blaming everybody. I mean, it's like uh, it's even. I mean, it's stunning how people blame. I did one. I did one. Uh, we were in the beta. We were just testing things. I did an apology, and I apologized for not saying goodbye to my uh, uh, viewers after I left uh, MSNBC. And then I said, and and I and I, when I watched it, it seemed snarky. I said, but I, I didn't know it was going to be my last night, which was snarky to MSNBC. And I thought that was so lame. Mm-hmm. So I redid it when I even saw my own. So I had. It's like I when I apologize, I have all these sort of uh, excuses that go with it. I don't do the apolo- I don't do. I'm sorry if I offended you, but I do have a lot of excuses. Right. <laughs> so anyway, right. so anyway, I, I thought, why not? Let's have a little fun. Let's lighten up a little bit. We can have fun apologies. We can have heartfelt ones. Um, you can send flowers. But this or- is the idea for that. But is there? Did you did you feel like you weren't sorry enough, or do you feel people just people I are blaming? Know. I think I'm always right. Ask my husband. Yeah. Okay. But you thought people were blaming each other that we've gotten to thought. A yes, have yeah. you watched any? <laughs> I mean, if you live in this town, if you watch cable news, thought. You're I mean, 
fault. I mean, and then the only time you hear apologies, it's a lot of "I'm sorry if I offended you." You Take Mm -hmm. take some of the sexual harassment ones. I thought it was shared or something like that. I I thought it was shared that you had a broken nose. Those are my favorite ones. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. seventy-year-old guys think that twenty-five-year-old. Women I are know. really so, into them. I know. So I'm saying. I thought so, it was mutual. But see, we, I'm going to. We're going to eventually gonna post those videos as time marches on. We're rolling this out. We're developing. I've actually had two um, uh, venture capitalists call me. I don't even know what to say. I, I'm learning new language, like I'll whether I have a that. deck. Do you yeah. know what a deck yes, is? I, do. I didn't I know what a deck was. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know what a deck was. I mean, I've tips. had and uh, everything's an experience. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm learning a whole. I'm learning your language. Right, I'm learning. You are. It's like everything's an experience. And there's a lot of people creating apps. So so you. when you think about how did you develop this? But isn't the sorry, isn't the concept of sorry, I, I, I often think, and by the way, I draft a lot of apologies in my, in my PR <laughs> mm-hmm. business for other people. As well, Maybe you ought to get them on my app. But, get them on my I, app instead. It always feels to me that anyone who would give such a public apology is probably not the one who really needs to do it. You know, that the, the people who really need to say they're sorry hardly well, ever do. Then I think, Hillary, you're going to be on the section, which is who needs to apologize a lot. I think that you'll probably like I that part of the I fill that app. one in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're going to have the most fun I, I'm with that. I'm going to ask you in a second, Hillary, who needs to apologize. But I want to know how you made this. Okay, what, here's what how I made it. Okay. Is, um, I have... Because uh, you're in the App Store. You're okay. You're in uh, Google Play. My um, niece's husband uh, works for WPP. You know what WPP mm-hmm. is? Yes, of course. And, um, and so I talked to him. I, actually, I saw um, Sir Martin Sorrell recently, and I said, I did, we're partners. We're business partners. Because <laughs> we are. Because, what? Um, what? Um, he has, I have the majority uh, percentage, but I, I struck a deal with um, one of his uh, uh, companies, VML, out of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And they, they did the development on it, and I own more than 50% of it. And so Martin Sorrell and WPP are my partners on this. All right. So they developed it for yeah. you? They My, well, I mean, they they did the 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 labor, the labor, of which doing, I can't do. And what were you and, and you and the interface and the design and everything like that? Uh, yeah, we we I mean we worked together, but yeah. yes, I mean, not give them credit for that. I, I love that. I mean, they did a great job. They wanted. To, if you look at the sorry, the icon, yeah. it's a little bit sort of Twitter-ish, yeah. Facebook-esque. You know, it, uh, oh, they did handsome. a great job. It's a really handsome app. So, and then it's peer to peer. You just you can, well, there's that's gonna you can do peer to peer right now, but we're gonna make it real easy. It's just that that's the right. next feature we're rolling out. But that's you know. That I think I hope high school. What kids were you use. getting inspiration from? Like Snap? It looks a little Snapchatty. It's got a little bit of that. A going little on. bit of everything. Yeah. And I was writing the book at the same time. Right. Uh, and so you want? So you? What would you like to have happen to this? Would you like venture capital money? Would you? Yeah, like- sure. I mean, I want. Look, I, I want it to succeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I'd love it. I, I I would love venture capital money to come in. I want to build. I'd like to build a staff. You know what else I want to do? Is it that you want it to succeed, or that you want more people to say they're sorry? <laughs> Both, both. But isn't that saying? But I, I mean, I actually wanted to launch a television show years ago at Fox. Uh, another thing that I never got to with Rupert, um, and it was the Sorry Show, where you, where you the have Sorry in, Show, where you could you could show the Sorry. If, oh, here's what you need to know. Okay. If we did the analytics, and That'd as be- of April. As of April last year, on social media, every 24 hours, there are more than 475,000 apologies. Okay. So, so it's big wow. business. Okay. Big business. That is apologies big business. show. I want to go back to this okay. show. Well, I was going to, what I was basically an extension of the, of the app. We'd, we'd put up video and have panels and people could text in whether they accepted it or not. Sort of mm-hmm. a modern day, uh, you know, that is, it's Judge like, Judy. It's mm-hmm. like um, Dr. Phil only going one way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. You know, what, I mean, the apologies, I mean, when you listen to these apologies. Denied. You, denied. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning. But sometimes there'll be an apology. I think, okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, but some of them I think, oh, brother. 
That's like God. God has to do this all day long, right? It's a little, I hadn't thought about it, but it's a little like the courtroom, you know, guilty or not guilty. I mean, and that's where I started, that's where I started Mm -hmm. my career. Right. And so you want to do a show where you would do, where we have an interactive live show where you'd put the apologies up there. I mean, remember the old Queen for a Day? Are you old enough for that? No, I'm not. You don't know Queen for the Day? You don't, Queen for the Day, you've actually, you need to go on YouTube Mm -hmm. and uh, do Queen for the Day. uh, It was an old game show, or not game show, where you could go watch it. But anyway, uh, it's it's sort of a judging show and yeah, whether you yep. accept it. And here's the other thing, too. If you are Kathy Griffin and mm-hmm. you did that apology and let's say 90 percent of people said reject, you might think like, oh, I, you know, maybe I better do something. Maybe she'll go work in a soup kitchen or maybe she'll go work at a, a mm-hmm. battered women's shelter and come back after five days and say, look, you know what? Uh, you know, I really thought about it. I was so lame. I, I really don't know how people live or my humor is bad or whatever it is. I've redone it. And this is what I've done. And so now we watch the next one. We go, OK, give, I'll give her a pass on that. I mean, I, it's just, you know, I don't know. I had, it Forgiveness I, is what you're talking forgiveness about. Forgiveness. And so, uh, I'm sick. I'm actually sick of the hating and fighting. Yeah. Well, I'm let me sick ask you a question because it was really interesting when we interviewed Hillary Clinton at the Code Conference this year. One of her supporters came up to me, someone who'd given her a lot of money, one of the Internet people. And. Even though it, we, I wanted to focus it around Russia, which as it's turned out, she was pretty accurate on a lot of the – it was before a lot of this stuff came out. And I didn't want her to discuss was not going to Wisconsin or whether she was a, an uncomfortable campaigner or whether she was likable. That really wasn't what the interview was about. He came up to me and he said – she didn't say she was sorry enough. Right. And it was fascinating. It was really mm-hmm. interesting. I have gotten that so many times. And I was like, but I, that really, she did actually say it three times. How many times do you have to say it? Well, that's she, what I'm saying. She would say so that, that's right, really that she spent a year t- with people sorry, telling her that she didn't people, say she's not enough. sorry enough. And you still see that in the meme. So there's a really good character who seems to, there will never be, I, I, I finally was like, if she she went over gr- uh, broken glass on her knees and begged you, you still wouldn't be enough. Like when, when is when is that? Because people, you know, you're sick of the hate, but it's people not accepting the forgiveness I, or not being willing to. Maybe how I does mean, that change? I, I don't. I mean, maybe people. I don't know. I don't know the change with the app, but maybe people just start talking about it more. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know. But uh, you know, I'm sort of a, a bleeding heart. I mean, I did criminal defense work for years, you know, where my clients did some pretty bad things. And it's, you know, sort of hard to explain to a jury why, you know, someone shouldn't be convicted or get a long sentence to a judge. Um, but, you know, I, I think at least the, getting the dialogue going, mm-hmm. I mean, even hating my app gets the dialogue going. You know, <laughs> we, even, even, we, will see, we will see it in the, with some of these um, big sexual harassment cases and some of these famous men whether there is a resurrection possible, whether is they're there? sorry is enough. Well, in that case, there's and these... And so some of them have said they're sorry and some of them haven't. And will it matter? But there's also the flip side, which is a lot of people of color and women say, why do we always have to forgive? Like, why do we always have to pa- make a pass? Because you feel better. Yes, Sometimes you do. I... But if you're always doing it, it, it was oh, interesting. Oh, I, I agree. Why should you always have yeah, to? Why should you always have to? And one of the things I thought was interesting was... That the giving the pass, certain people get passes and don't, and p- certain people get their I'm sorry's very quickly and others yep. don't. And so I think there is a great rage in this moment of people like, we're tired of saying, okay. We're tired well, of saying. Well, then they vote and reject. They right. vote on, yeah. on the app. But you know what? Getting back, you know, your book on yeah. AOL yeah. is that uh, who, who doesn't remember the You've Got Mail? Yeah. Is that uh, when I started coming up with the idea of the app, I'd be with my husband and I get a little, you know, like I get irritable sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd say, you need the app. <laughs> <laughs> so in big apologies and small. Right. Yeah, we're going to go through we it. We're going go to finish up. Who do you, Hillary first, who do you think should apologize? And who do you need to apologize to? Let's pretend we're in a Jewish holiday. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sarah Sanders at the press conference uh, this week asked all the reporters before they were allowed to ask a question, they had to say what they were thankful for. Right. Uh, which that's what you doing this to me reminds me of, Kara okay. Swisher. All right. Um, I would say who has to apologize. I think that this country is in pain over all of these sexual harassment stories. And I think a lot of it is that we have a president who uh, is in a constant state of combat and rather than compassion on this issue. And so number one for me would be the president saying he's sorry. I, You know, who, who I right. think owes apologies is it, it really drives me crazy around this time of the year that these corporations with management who have not managed their corporations well suddenly decide because it's the end of the year they need to do these big layoffs. And they themselves don't get laid off, but the people who are actually doing the jobs that they were told to do and assigned to do and everything, they're doing the jobs. But the people who whose job it was to run a company efficiently and mm-hmm. effectively, they're not the ones that get laid so off. have to pay. Yeah, and, and I, the, I, I can't stand the layoffs. The layoffs make me crazy. And these, these corporations, it's, they almost seem heartless uh, sometimes. And I think to myself, you know, you know who, who did the job? The workers or the ones who are now doing the layoffs who didn't manage well, whose job it was to make sure the company was managed well. All right. I think uh, Internet companies, I think they didn't think hard enough about the consequences of their creations very much at all, in fact. And they, um, I have, have a line that I've been using a lot that one of the lines of Facebook was move fast and break things. And I'm tired of them breaking things. They break right. a lot of things. Right. Um, and then secondly, I would have to say, I think some of the just the commentary on both sides of the political aisle, it's getting insane that that sexual harassment has become partisan like it's crazy they're all awful they're all awful men every single one of them on all sides of the aisle and so it's kind of you know that you can't decry both sides when it's when it's very clear it's it's almost like whatever happened to manners if you if you look at this it's all about manners how you treat other people and now of course we you know it's sexual harassment but that's just manners i mean why would you be disrespectful to a woman like Mm -hmm. that i mean what why do you think you should do that and can do that well they do. And so they I know, I know, but I'm just saying it's like whatever happened to manners. So so is this going to be, we're going to finishing up now, Greta. Uh, thank you for coming. But what, what are you going to do? This is going to be your focus? You're going to be an internet entrepreneur? No, I'm doing, well, I'm actually having fun with VOA TV. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm really interested in this app. I really want to make this app go right. I got to figure out how to handle the trolls. Um, what are they it. doing? They're saying. Yeah, but I, you know, we're getting rid of them and stuff. But they're I hard. need, I need to they're get. They're real pe- good at uh, trolling. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I'm not giving up. Anyway, never so let I, them I want to get sweat, Greta. That's, never your, <laughs> that's the key to trolls. <laughs> never. Let, so anyway, I want to get people to use this, uh, use the app, and let me repeat again. It's a free download. Right at the app store. At, at the, the app, app store. The sorry app on, on Google sorry. Play. Greta Van Susteren has become a Renaissance woman. I she see that. was a journalist. She was a lawyer, and now she's an inter- do, do internet. Do you want to do web TV? Is web I, I, television I, I, or? I, it sounds video. more like I can't keep a job every time I hear this stuff. That's all I think about. <laughs> we have lots of solutions for you. In any case, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you, Hillary, for joining me on the side of the interview table. I think Super you're actually... Super fun, Kara Swisher. And I'm sorry for whatever I did to you. I don't know what it is, if I did anything bad, but I don't think I did so far. <laughs> well, I'm not sorry for what I did to you. <laughs> whatever it was. That's a great apology. I the think one... all of your listeners think you deserve it. Whatever <laughs> I do. it was. I do. My husband's, my husband's apologies. I didn't do anything. I don't know why I have to do this. It's uh, really mad. It's a yeah. bad one. Yeah, that is a bad way to do it. Anyway, if you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes and including some really interesting interviews we've done with Luther Lowe, Beth Wilkinson, Katie Tour, and Stacey Abrams this month with Hillary. They've all been fantastic. You can find all those episodes and more wherever you found this one or on our website, recode.net slash podcasts. 
Now that you're done with this, check out one of our other shows, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You'll hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good from The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. We recently have been talking about Tesla, all kinds of things. Really, there's so much gadgetry going on, the new iPhone, things like that. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference, Code Commerce, and the upcoming Code Media. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to all our sponsors, and thanks to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sells those ads. I want to say a very special thanks to Beth O'Connell from Cadence 13, who has been with Recode Decode since the beginning. This is her last week working with us, and we will miss her very much. Thanks to our editor, Chris Basil, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here in my usual time on Monday with some really great guests. Tune in then, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.